It's wonderful to see everyone here. We want to thank everyone for being here with us tonight. We want to thank you if you are visiting with us. We want you to know that you are honored guests. We hope that you find yourself comfortable and blessed and edified here by the services tonight. We appreciate everyone making the choice and the, and, the, and the decision to be here with us tonight to study God's Word. I hope that the things that we study from, from God's Word will be a benefit to us, will be edifying to us, and that we can learn something, as Ian said, from these scriptures, that we can gain that knowledge that God wants us to have so that we can be better Christian in the future and the past because the more we know about God's Word, the better we're going to be. The, the better off we will be, the better off our families will be, and our coworkers will be, because the more of God's word that we know, the more we will live out God's word in our lives. So we, we appreciate every, everyone being here for this study. As Ian said, we are in Acts chapter 9. I'm going to have most of the verses up here on the board. I'll have our chapter on the board. There's going to be several times that I'm going to ask us to go to the, 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 the scriptures and look at some other places so that we can kind of gain that knowledge and broaden our, our, our thoughts here and, 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 and kind of look at different places in the scripture so that we can get a full picture of Saul or Paul. And I'll say this now, if I say Saul instead of Paul or Paul instead of Saul, I'm sorry. I, I was doing that a few times in my mind when I was studying. It's Saul of Tarsus at this moment, but that is Paul the Apostle. I hope that's not a spoiler alert for you. But I may say Paul instead of Saul as we go throughout here in Acts chapter 9. Romans chapter 1 verse 1 here, the Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated into the gospel of God. That, that, that's how he starts his, le his letter there to uh, the Romans. And the great thing, the amazing thing is that in Acts, we get to see the beginning of that. We get to see this man start and begin that apostleship. We get to see him become that servant or that bond servant or that slave of Jesus Christ and how that comes about. And we get to see that separation to the gospel of God because Saul or Paul is a great warrior and a great soldier for the gospel of God. And he goes about it and he spreads that word. And we get to see how in the beginning he wasn't that way. But we get to see this person become changed. We get to see him have this revelation. We get to see him be a changed person. How he goes about that change. And then he brings that change to the world. Acts chapter 9. If, if you recall in Acts chapter 8 that, that brother Jason did, did, did for us. We left off with a Philip. So we were talking about, we, we talked about Saul just a little bit. Then we talked about Philip. How, how Philip was there with, with Simon the sorcerer and how he, he, he ended up changing Simon the sorcerer. Simon the sorcerer was, was baptized and became a Christian. Then he did some, some things and then he asked to buy the gift of God. And then Peter had come down and said, your heart is not right. And all those things, if you remember those things, that's where we left off there. As well as Philip seeing the eunuch on his way to Gaza. And he met Philip in the, and he met the, the eunuch. And Philip taught him Jesus Christ from those, those scriptures there, reading from the book of Isaiah, and that through that study that the eunuch asked about being baptized, and that how Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they both went down into the water, and Philip baptized the eunuch. And that's where we left off. And he rose out of that water rejoicing. Why? Because he's a saved person now. He has turned towards the Lord through that act through that baptism through believing and confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and now we're coming back to a different character so to speak a different person 
and then Saul. In Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, just to recap a little bit, it says here, And Saul was consenting unto his death, that's Stephen. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women committing them to prisons. That's where Saul is right now as we start this study in the book of Acts chapter 9. He is going about finding Christians and taking them to prison, men or women, doesn't matter, and hauling them off because they believe in this way, the way of Jesus Christ, the Christian way. And he is taking them and putting them in prison, and that's where we left off Saul, and that's where we get to pick up this character of Saul here in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 2 the Bible says, And Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that he that if he found any of this way whether they were men or women he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So here Saul is yet breathing or still breathing out threats. That means he's bent on destruction of Christians. That's what is consuming him. That's his occupation, so to speak, at the moment. That's his job. Find Christians and snuff them out. Find people that are believing in Jesus Christ and destroy or bring slaughter upon these disciples of the Lord. That just sounds like a very bad man because for us in this room, we're Christians, aren't we? So what if we heard about someone who's doing the same things today? We would be like, whoa, Make sure that man never gets near me. Hauling us, grabbing us, and hauling us off to prison. That's kind of what's going on here. And that's this person, Saul. And here's the thing. As you study Saul or you study Paul, he has a zeal for God. The things that he is doing, he thinks are right. He thinks he is doing these things for God because he does not believe in Jesus Christ. And that's about to change. I have my map. In this map, it said that he is wanting to go to uh, Damascus. So we left him off here at Jerusalem. So he's here in Jerusalem, and he's wanting to bring people bound back to Jerusalem. And he's going about making havoc of the church, and he's, and he's on his way to Damascus. And I just wanted to point that out, and I don't have a scale here. Uh, this is some distance. I mean, from here to here is a long ways. That's a long way for him to travel, and he's wanting to travel to Damascus and find Christians on this way, and find Christians when they're here, and bring them to justice in his mind. That's what he thinks. It brings them bound. So I wanted to point that out, that that is quite a journey that Saul of Tarsus is making here. But then in Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 6, the Bible says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou art persecuting. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So Saul has already traveled a great way, because it says here, when he got really close, very near to Damascus, this happens. And the event there is that a light shined around about him from heaven. And when Saul heard this voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said to them, who art thou, Lord? I mean, he immediately says, Lord. 
Because there's a light, there's, there's a voice, there are things going on. This is not your normal daylight. This is not your normal thing. Whatever is happening there to Saul almost immediately changes him. He might not be 100% sure because he's asking, who are you? But he says, Lord, and he says, I'm Jesus. I'm the one that you're wanting to destroy. And then he says, what shall I do, Lord? So the vent, the light, the shining, and all these things, the voice that he hear, Jesus appearing to him, him seeing Jesus change this man almost instantly. He's saying, Lord, you tell me what I need to do, and I'll do it. That's, that, that's what he's saying. There, what it says, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Or if you have a New King James Version, there, it's hard to kick against the goads. That's like goading an animal, like you've got a stick or something, and you're kind of goading, let's say, a sheep into a pen or a certain place because sometimes these animals you have to, you have to go. I, I do that with my children. You're going to do this. I'm goading you in this direction. And what Saul was doing was, was kicking against that. He was pushing against Jesus Christ. And he's like, I've got something for you to do. I am wanting you to go this way, Saul. Stop kicking against the goad. Stop, just stop doing that. And Saul, I think, recognizes that to at least a small extent where he says, you tell me what you want. I said, Lord, what will you have me do? And he says, go into Damascus, and it will be told thee what thou must do. Continuing on in this story here, it says here in Acts chapter 9, verse 7, And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And, and he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. So the men that were with Saul there, because he had some men there, or an entourage, so to speak, that were with Saul, they stood speechless because they're, they're hearing this voice as well, but they're seeing no man. They, they, they didn't have the same experience that Saul had. They, they were there. Something happened. They were witnesses to some event there. They heard a voice, but they saw no man. And then when Saul arose, he was blind. That's what that means. He was blind. He could not see. And they had to lead him by the hand like a blind man into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did he eat nor drink, so he fasted there for three days. He did something else for three days, too. We're, we're going to get to that in these next few verses here. But to me, it's not symbolic because he is blind, and he does later receive his sight, but there's more there. At this moment, what he had been doing, persecuting the church, he was blind to Jesus Christ. And I think this is kind of shown here in this act of him being blind, which he is blind, and taking him into Damascus. Continuing on in our story here, it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 10, the Bible says, There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And he, has seen, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on, hand on him that he might receive his sight. So he was there three days. Saul was there three days. He didn't eat, he didn't drink, and he was praying. What do you think he was praying about? Doesn't tell us exactly what he was, was praying about. But all of a sudden, this man who was going about wanting to destroy Christianity sees Jesus and sees the Lord. And now you think he prayed maybe for forgiveness of the persecution that he was doing against the Lord? Do you think he may have prayed for forgiveness of the things that he was doing? Because he, he was going about trying to destroy, breathing out, bent upon slaughter when it comes to Christians. 
Do you think those thoughts were going through his mind when he was sitting there just fasting and not eating and drinking and praying? So he was praying, and Jesus heard him praying because Jesus says right there to Ananias, he's praying. I know what he's doing. He's praying right now, and we, I need you to go there, and I need you to, to do this, to so put your hand on him so he can receive his sight. So just keep that in mind, fasting and praying for three days straight, Saul of Tarsus. Continuing on in our study here in Acts chapter 9, verse 13, the, the Bible that says, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias says, he's, he's kind of questioning Jesus just a little bit. He says, wait a second, Lord. I, have, I am, as you seen the distance from Jerusalem to Damascus on my map, the people in Damascus have heard about Saul. Saul is coming. They're probably pretty scared. Here comes Saul, the man who persecutes the church, the man who puts Christians into prison. Is that the guy you're talking about, Jesus? Because that's, that, that's pretty scary. I've heard about all kinds of evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Not only that, I know that he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. So Ananias is just, just wanting to confirm. And Jesus does confirm. He says, no, nah, he's a chosen vessel. And he's going to bring my name to the Gentiles and to kings and the children of Israel. Guess what? That was enough for Ananias. He said, you got it. So then... And he says, I will show thee what great things thou must suffer for, for, for thy name's sake. And I'm not going to go into all the things that, that Paul had suffered or Saul had suffered. As a matter of fact, when we go look at the rest of the book of Acts, we'll see those things. But just know that in Scripture, Paul said all those things are a light affliction for what I need to do in the kingdom of God. So he says, go there and see this man. So Ananias goes in verses 17, the Bible says that Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul. That's a quick change, isn't it? He just was talking about Saul like, we don't want this guy around. But Jesus confirmed him. He's my chosen vessel, Ananias, and he needs you to go do this. So now Ananias, who is a very devout disciple, says, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as if it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. So Ananias is changed. He, he's ready. So he says, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And what fell from his eyes, the scales, and I looked that up, and it's, it's like flakes. I don't know if it's flakes of skin or something like that. I'm just guessing. But whatever it was, something fell off of his eyes, and he was able to see. And he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then immediately he arose and was baptized. But to me, it's like now you've received your sight. Saul was blind spiritually this whole time. But now he has his sight, not just his physical sight. Now he has sight and clear vision because Jesus Christ has made him a chosen vessel, has given him revelation, and has given him the way that he can go and preach the word. And he, he, he got up and he ate because he hadn't been eating for a while. He got strength and he stayed there at Damascus for a while. 
I want us to jump around a little bit to Acts chapter 22 as well as Acts chapter 26. I don't have these verses up here on the board, so I encourage you to have a Bible or some other device there. Turn with me to Acts chapter 22, verses 1 through 21. As we look, and because I think it's important, Lord willing, we're going to get to these chapters too. But at this junction, at this time, I think it's important for us to go get a few more details about what is going on here with Saul of Tarsus and in this event. And in Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 22 Verses 1 through 21, Paul is giving a defense, so to speak. He's, he's, he's recalling and telling them what has happened to him and why he is this way and why he is preaching these things. It's kind of a, a defense before a crowd, kind of a mob crowd. And, and I'm not going to go into detail. Lord willing, we'll get to that later. But he says here in Acts chapter 22, verse 1, the Bible says, Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that, they spake that, that, that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they, they, they kept the more silent. And he said, I am verily a man which I am, I am verily a man which I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a, 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 a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city, which is Jerusalem, at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of our fathers, and was zealous towards God, as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way unto death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of elders, of whom also I received letters under the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were bound, which were there bound to Jerusalem, for to be punished. So that's a little bit more detail. That's what Paul was going to go do. We're reading this now here in Acts chapter nine, verse six. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone, there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I came, and when I could not see for the glory of the light being led by the hand of them that were, were with me, I came into Damascus, and one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked, up, looked upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will and see the just one, that's Jesus, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men for, of what thou hast seen and heard. Verse 16, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it came to pass that when I was come... Uh, uh, Come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance and saw him saying unto me, make haste and, and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem for thou will not for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I, I, that, that I imprison and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he and he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. 
So as we read this account, you get more detail. You get a, a little bit clearer picture there that he said, Lord, skipping down there towards the end, they, they know that I have imprisoned, and not only imprisoned, beat people and put them into prison. And I'm just kind of kind of clarifying some of the bad things that Saul had done. And it says there that on that road that, that he saw that light and that Jesus came and Jesus said that you are a chosen vessel and there are things that are appointed for you to do, Saul, and I need you to go do these things. Jesus also there was, was, uh, uh, was uh, protecting him, saying, make haste and get out of Jerusalem because you're, you're going to be in trouble. So he's kind of getting Saul out of there. But the point that I, uh, that I wanted to also make was that where Ananias said, arise and be, and be baptized, calling on, on the name of the Lord, that do you recall all we said earlier that Saul was three days with no food, with no sight, and he prayed? I'm not saying that he said the sinner's prayer because the sinner prayer is bogus, okay? But he did pray, and I'm sure he prayed for some of the things that he did, that he prayed for forgiveness of those things. But what needed to be done was that as soon as he arose and was baptized and had his sins washed away, calling on the name of the Lord, he was ready to go out and do the work. And that process is the same for us, that when we believe in Jesus Christ, that we are baptized, our sins are washed away, calling on the name of the Lord. That's what calling on the name of the Lord is, is those that believe and repent hear that word and are baptized. I wanted to make that point that whatever he was praying, it wasn't exactly good enough because he needed to be baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then his sins were washed away. That's how he called upon the name of the Lord. Also, if you will turn me to Acts chapter 26, Acts chapter 26, verses 12 through 18, Acts chapter 6, verse 12 through 18, the Bible says, Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, here he is giving an account to King Agrippa. I should have set this up. King Agrippa is wanting to listen to Paul, and Paul is telling King Agrippa the things that has happened to him, the things that we're reading about here in Acts chapter 9. In verse 12, he, he said, Whereupon I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, a brightness of the sun shining around about me, and, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me. And saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuting. Verse 16, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee. Jesus has appeared unto Saul for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of the things in which I will appear or reveal unto thee delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That is a mission. That is a giant mission. And that is the mission that God and Jesus Christ had for Saul of Tarsus. He said, not only are you going to be a minister, you're going to be a witness. What this is, is this is Paul's apostleship. He said, you're going to be an apostle. You're going to be an ambassador of the things that you have seen and the things that you have witnessed. Why? So that people can be saved. So that they may turn from darkness to light, just like you were, Saul. Not just physically, 
but also spiritually. That you would, would turn from darkness to life and the power of Satan to the power of God. And Saul, as we continue to study, takes that mission very seriously. Very seriously. He says he works abundantly towards that goal. That Jesus Christ said, I have this purpose that not only the things that you are seeing and are witnessing now, but I'm going to reveal to you other things. So here, Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you revelation, Paul, or Saul. I'm going to give you these things and reveal these things to you so that you will have that and you'll be able to go and build my church and go and save souls because they need this forgiveness and this inheritance. And the way that you receive this forgiveness and this inheritance is through faith in Jesus Christ, faith in the operation of Jesus Christ. So I wanted to kind of go through those and get more of a detail of those three different accounts of, of what happened to Saul of Tarsus there on that road to Damascus, that not only did he see that light and he was saved, but he's got apostleship. He's got that, uh, that authority of that apostleship, that witness, because he's got a great mission that he's going to go about and do. And here's the great thing. He straightways goes and does exactly that. You know, we're not Saul of Tarsus, and we're not Paul we're not apostles. We don't have the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit to perform miracles that we're going to study here later. We can't do those things, but we can bring the message and the name of Jesus Christ to lost souls. And this is a great example that he didn't wait. He did that immediately right there in Damascus, the very place he was going with letters to take people to prison. He's flipped a 180, so to speak. And now in Acts chapter 9, verse 20, it says, straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Verse 21, but all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this he that destroyed them which called on the name of, that called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ or proving that Jesus is the Christ. That's what that saying means. So here, people are just amazed. I would be amazed. Would you not be amazed? Here comes the, the destroyer of Christianity, and when he gets here, he's like, Jesus is the Son of God. I mean, that would just amaze me, and it kind of made some people a little apprehensive, as we'll see as we go throughout this study. But that's because Jesus appeared to him and said, You are a chosen vessel, and I need you to go to work. And Saul increased in strength and confounded the Jews, and he went to work there at Damascus. Verse 25 here the Bible says, and after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But there, lying await, was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. So here these Jews are doing the same old tricks that they try to do with Jesus. Let's kill him. I mean, if, if you think about it, Saul was their spearhead. I mean, he was the sword of the Lord in their mind against Christianity. He was the one as that is just the spearhead. Give me letters. Give me this job. I want to destroy this. And now he's flipped. And now he's saying Jesus Christ is the son of God. And they're like, well, we got to kill this guy because he is not doing what he's supposed to do. We've got to get rid of him. Saul is being persecuted now for preaching Jesus Christ, the son of God. And there they said that, they, that their lying in wait was known. Saul knew that they, they wanted to kill him. So they snuck him out over the wall in a basket. Does that remind you of Joshua 2, uh, 15 where Rahab let the spies out? I mean, even though Saul is the one that's going to go out preaching the word and things, 
there's other disciples of Christians are doing great works. The people that let Saul down, amen, they got him out of there. So don't neglect just some, some deed like that that was needful. And he escaped those Jews that wanted to kill him. Acts chapter 9, verse 26 here. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed or he attempted to join himself to the disciples. So now Saul has come to Jerusalem. He's gone to, to Damascus and did exactly what he was not going to do. And now he's coming back to Jerusalem and is doing the same thing. Why? Because he is a changed man. Why? Because Jesus Christ has changed him. And he wants to tell everybody about this change. So he wants to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a, a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to, to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he wanted to join himself with, with, with the disciples, and they were afraid and didn't believe that he was a, a, a disciple. And, you know, part of me wants to be like, well, shame on them. But this was Saul of Tarsus. This was a guy that was, was consenting to Stephen's death. And Stephen the martyr's death was known a, abroad. People knew that, especially there in Jerusalem. And they were just scared. They were just afraid. I mean, that's natural. But Barnabas... And, 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 and Barnabas is a wonderful man, a worker in God's kingdom. You may have already remembered, we've kind of looked at Barnabas some here. Barnabas takes Paul and kind of brings him to the apostles and said, let's tell them what, what's going on. The Lord not only saw him, but Jesus spoke to him personally. That doesn't happen. Certainly doesn't happen anymore, but it happened to Saul. And when they had heard these things, that he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of, of, of Jesus. I mean, Saul needed Barnabas, and Barnabas needed Saul. And as we go throughout the book of Acts, you'll see this couple, so to speak, this group of men here, are very important. And they do very, very good, good work. But it took Barnabas, who was a respected disciple, to bring Saul in and said, No, this guy is doing very good stuff. He is preaching boldly in the name of Jesus, and we need to accept him. Acts chapter 9, verse 29, And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and disputed against the Grecians or the Hellenists, but they went about to slay him, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Verse 31, Then had all the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. And walked in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So he spoke boldly. I mean, and Paul does that. If you look at all of Paul's letters, that's what Paul does. When he writes to the church at Corinth and, and the church at, at Romans, he, he speaks boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. And he disputed against the Grecians there or, or the Hellenists. And you may recall the Grecians or the Hellenists from Acts chapter 6. And what that just means is that they were, were Greek-speaking Jews. And those that were in Acts chapter 6 were disciples, but they were, they were still Greek-speaking disciples. Here, these are not disciples. These are Jews that want to kill Saul, and they are Greek-speaking Jews. So I, I wanted to make sure that that wasn't the same group of people. It's the same kind of people, Greek-speaking. And when they knew that they, that, uh, that they wanted to slay him, they brought him to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus, his hometown. You get to go back to your hometown, and you get to do the same thing that, that, that you've been doing, preach 
Jesus Christ. And it says there in, in verse 31 that the churches had rest. Does that seem kind of odd to you? They had rest and they were edified. Why? Because this destroyer of their way is now part of the flock. And that just brought them strength. And, and it brought them probably joy. And they were built up and edified in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And they were multiplied. That just them knowing probably of Saul becoming who he is now multiplied the church. This is a new map. I want us to point out that here he's gone from Damascus to Caesarea. And from Caesarea he's gone to Tarsus. That, that's a long way too. And I'm... Did some research. I'm not sure if they traveled by land or, or by boat. You could do both. But they traveled a long distance here to Tarsus, which is kind of in Asia Minor. And you've got Ephesus over here and Iconium and other places that may sound familiar to you. And they will later as we study the book of Acts. But I just wanted to point that out, that Saul or Paul is a traveling guy. As we go throughout the book of Acts, that man put a lot of miles on his feet. I mean, he goes everywhere. So... But before we close our thoughts on Saul or, 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 or Paul, there's some other scriptures that I, that I want us to go to so we can better understand how Paul viewed himself, especially after these events. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10, verses 9. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 15. That I want us to really concentrate on Paul and how he saw himself and how he viewed himself and the work that he did and the work that he did for them that he still does for, for, for you and I through the letters that we read and the accounts of the things that he did. Romans chapter 10, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 first and then we'll skip to 9. Romans chapter 10 verses 1, the Bible says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. That's, that's Paul. Paul's like, I want you guys to be saved. That's my, that's my heart's desire. But you got to listen. you got to understand that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. It's given there to verse 9. The Bible says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Verse 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we've already studied that. We know what calling upon the name of the Lord means. That's those that believe and repent and are baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is not saying that baptism is not necessary. We could skip to Romans chapter 6 like Monty did and talk about that. But here in verse 14, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know, it means a lot to me when you really think about who Paul was and what happened to Paul. Because when Paul writes these things, it's a deeper meaning to me now. Because he said, how are they going to hear without a preacher? And that's what Paul is. And how are they going to believe that they don't hear that word? And that's what Paul does. And he says, how will they preach except they be sent? Just like Paul or Saul was sent to Tarsus. That when you read these things, think about Paul. Paul is, not, Paul is, is someone that personifies all these things. That he knows how important it is for the word to be preached. 
And that is said, if we don't preach this word, they're going to be stuck in the same rut that he was. If Jesus didn't appear to him, if he did go preach that word to, to, to people, they would not hear Jesus and they would not turn from their ways. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. By which also ye, ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen first by of, of Cephas, or Peter, then of the twelve. After that he was seen above, uh, he was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain, uh, remain unto the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, and I am not meet or I am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. So here we kind of see what Paul is saying here. He's saying, remember what I've taught you, is it wasn't of men, I received it from God, and I preached it to you, that which saves you, and that's the gospel. And obeying the gospel, which is displayed right here, and we do that in, in baptism. Then he goes on and he says, that I am the least of the apostles. That's how he thought of himself. I am the least of the apostles, and I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. And we just read about that. He wanted to destroy, breathing out threats. That's the kind of man that, that, that he was. He's like, I'm not worthy to be an apostle. I'm trying to destroy the church. But I am what I am. Why? Because Jesus told him, you're chosen. You're a chosen vessel. And it says here, one that's born out of due time. That he is born into this right here in Damascus, right on that road. He is becoming that apostle. And it says there that what God, that the grace that was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Why? He says, because I work. I work abundantly. I work more than the other apostles, and it's not me. It's the grace of God that worketh in me. So whether you hear it from Paul, you hear it from the other apostles, is what he's saying. We preach so that you can believe. He probably had in his mind those things that he did, and he was Saul of Tarsus. And he kind of says that here in 1 Corinthians. I persecuted the church. I wasn't worthy to be an apostle, but guess what I am? Because Jesus chose me i'm a chosen vessel so i work abundantly you know are we worthy no so we should work abundantly i mean use this as an example that we should go out and preach the word of god because god has given us everything that we're not worthy of but we should work more abundantly so that we can bring souls to Jesus Christ. If you would turn with me one more time to Galatians chapter 1, Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. 
10 through 16. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, <clears throat> beginning of verse 10, the Bible says, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after men, for I neither received it of men, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. You know, when, when Paul writes, he doesn't hide that fact. They know there's nothing to hide. You know how I persecuted the, the church, but now I am preaching in the name of Jesus Christ, and he's upsetting people. He said, do I persuade men? Or I'm not here to please men. I'm here to please God. And we can see that from Acts chapter 9 with the people trying to kill him. They were not happy with the things that he was teaching. Verse 14 in Galatians chapter 1, the Bible says, And profited in the Jews' religion above many my equal in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. <clears throat> but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathens. And we'll stop there. So here he says, I'm not here to please men. I'm here to please God. And it says there, the things that I taught you are not from men. They're not from me. They're from revelation of Jesus Christ. And this is kind of him talking about his apostleship and defending himself, so to speak. And here he says there, I was very zealous of the traditions of my fathers. I was very zealous for God when I was Saul of Tarsus. But it said, but it pleased God to separate me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Where it says there, he separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Just like we read there in Romans chapter 1, that he was separated to, to the gospel of God. I believe that this was the plan for Saul from the very beginning. This has always been God's plan. From the moment he was born, Saul didn't know it. He didn't know it till the, the light shone about him on the Damascus road. But he said, this has always been my purpose. This has always been my God has separated me from my mother's womb for this purpose, to be a servant and an apostle for the gospel of God. So we're going to change gears here a little bit. We, we will come back to Saul of, of Tarsus, Lord willing, in, in later chapters. Just, just remember the impact there of, of Saul of Tarsus and the way that he felt in his letters about persecuting the church, that he is... Paul the Apostle. But, but we're going to change gears here and switch characters, so to speak, excuse me, or switch people and talk about Peter here. And it came to pass, Acts chapter 9, verse 32, and the Bible says, And it came to pass as Peter passed around all quarters, or all regions there, all areas there where he was, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydia. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. <clears throat> so here we're switching gears. We're back to Peter now. We're going to be in Peter for a while. We're definitely going to be in Peter in the next chapter. So Peter here is going about doing his work, going about preaching, spreading the word of God. And he comes to a place called Lydia. And there's someone who's been sick in his bed for eight years. Peter said unto him, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. 
Was Peter the one that did the healing? No. Jesus Christ is the one that performs these miracles. And it says here that Jesus Christ has, has makes you whole, arise, hey, take up your bed. And everybody sees it. Everybody that dwelt there probably knew this guy. I mean, eight years in bed, th- th- they knew who he was. And it says that many saw and turned to the Lord. You know that word there, turned? If you, if you look it up in the Greek, it's Strong's number 1994. And I only remember that because it's the year 1994. I remember 1994. If you go and look that up, that means converted. That these people were converted to the Lord because of the miracle that they saw there. As Brother Jason talked about last week, that those miracles are there, that, that structure, that framework there, were for the purpose of bringing about the, the church. And we can't do those things anymore. Nobody can do these miracles anymore. But the purpose of that man not only did he receive that that benefit as well him personally was that people saw and people turned towards jesus christ because that's what it's all about turning people to jesus christ and that's what that miracle did that when they turned to the lord they were converted if you go back and look in luke where, where jesus talked to peter and said when you are come back when you are converted strengthen the brethren in acts chapter 3 where it says repent and be converted that's the same greek word 1994 and it means converted these people were converted to jesus christ because of that miracle i, I want us just to make sure that we understand that that was the purpose of that was bringing people to jesus christ and that should be the purpose of everything Acts chapter 9, verse 36 through 37. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed or, or washed her, they laid her in an upper chamber. So now he's, now he's come to Joppa. Or, or, I'm sorry, there was a certain woman in Joppa that is passed away now. She was a great woman, did many wonderful works. And we're going to talk about those works here in just a moment. But she died, she passed away, they brought her in an upper room, and my map is, is back up. The disappointing thing here in this map this entire time, and don't be disappointed, right here where it says Jaffa, well, that is Joppa. I'm not sure why it's Jaffa here. I, I think that's just two different names for the, the same location. So Ian would like it. I did the arrow and I did the name here myself. Pointing at Jaffa, just imagine Jaffa. So that's where Peter is now. Peter is, well, no, Peter is actually, I have another map. He is right here in Lydia. And Lydia is very close to Joppa. So we're kind of here in this coastal region here. here here's Caesarea where Saul was earlier. We're kind of in this coastal area here. And Peter is very close here to Joppa. And I, and I wanted us to point that, that, that out, that Lydia and, and Joppa are very close. So they were able to get word to Peter very quickly of this woman passing away, which we're going to read about here. In Acts chapter 9, verse 38. And the Bible it says here in verse 38, And for as much as Lydia was nigh to, to Joppa, that just means it was very near to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there in Lydia, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. And then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made, or Tabitha made, while she was with them. You know, it is very important 
for us to preach the Word of God. It's very important for us to teach the Word of God because teaching that Word and understanding that Word is what saves souls, but don't underestimate the good deeds that we can do. That this woman made clothing and made coats for all these other women and did all these great deeds. What if we do those, those same type of deeds or we're trying to just help people? It makes an impact. This woman had an impact because of the things that she's done. So don't just throw aside those things that we can do by helping people, by bringing them clothes or bringing them food or bringing a meal for someone who's passed away. That deed is godly and that deed needs to be done and it makes an impact. It made such an impact that they called Peter and said, come on. So when Peter does what he's about to do, it makes a huge impact. And even though Peter, through Jesus Christ, is the one that performs this miracle we're going we're to read about, this woman had a lot to do with the things that happened after because of the way she was, the things that she did. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed and turning him and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise, as she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. You see that? Many believed in the Lord. Because all knew this lady in Joppa, I'm sure. And they knew that it was through the power of Jesus Christ that this woman is alive again. He presented her alive to all the saints and all the widows there. And many people believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he, that's Peter, tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. And where we're leaving this chapter is ex almost exactly where the next chapter starts, or Peter anyways. Peter is here on this coastal city with Simon, a tanner. And please be back here next week as we see what Peter is going to do next in Acts chapter 10, to which is very important to you and I. They hear this miracle was done to this wonderful woman, and many believed on the Lord through that miracle. That's the purpose of those miracles, that people believe and are turned and are converted towards Jesus Christ. Tonight, I hope that, that the study has been edifying unto you, that hopefully it sparks some thoughts or some things in you. It certainly has for, for me some things that I can do better as I look and I examine the life of Saul of Tarsus or the life of Paul, that there are many things that mean a lot to us in that conversion, some things that we look to when we talk to people about how they are converted and turned towards Jesus Christ. Uh, tonight, if you have not made that step, if you have not been baptized like Saul of Tarsus was, if you have not had your sins washed away calling upon the name of the Lord, there's water right here behind me. We are prepared to assist you with that right now. We can help you do those things so that you can start your walk, so that you can turn from light to darkness, so that you can turn from Satan to God. That same thing, the same opportunity is here available for you tonight. If you are a, a child of God and you have, got, have some problems or there's some things that you are going through or you need the prayers of the church or there's anything that we can do to help you physically, or mentally, or spiritually, we ask that you please come sit on the front row and make your wishes known as we stand and we sing.